pray with me, please. Gracious God, we know that when we come to this place, we know that you're here. We know that you are here to meet us every Sunday morning. And God, what you want is to be with us every moment of every day. So we ask now, God, that uh, in this time that we gather to look at your word and to, to talk about what it means to meet Jesus in prayer. God, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears, that you would use the words you've given me this week and that you would, uh, you would take them, God, and you would make them exactly what you need them to be. That we would be able to know you and to know your great love for us and what it is that you've done for us in Jesus and how it is that you want to be a part of every moment of every one of our days. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're doing this series on meeting Jesus because we're in the season of Advent where we're looking forward to meeting Jesus at Christmas. And today we're talking about meeting Jesus in prayer. And the more I thought about it, the, the way to do that is to spend part of our time this morning talking about relationships. Because you and I, you know, we, we were created to be in relationships. We were created to be in relationships and, and to grow in them and to thrive in them. And yet that's not really what the world around us celebrates. It's one of the reasons God's given us the church and why it's so hard to be a Christian outside of the church because we need those healthy relationships with other Christian believers as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. God's all about relationships. The problem is, see, we've created for ourselves a culture that promotes relationships with just about everything but other people and nearly all of those relationships are not healthy. And if you stop and think about it, you know exactly what I'm saying is true. If you ever read or, or talk to our young people today, age 10 to 20, into the 20s, they're the most technologically brilliant group of people the world has ever known. They are connected to the world in ways that most of us can't even begin to understand. They've got constant access to the Internet and the world and all kinds of other people through the apps on all the devices that they have. And do you know what we read about them? They're the loneliest generation on planet Earth. They've got friends in all kinds of social media forms, but they don't have real friends. Because that world that they live in doesn't encourage real relationships. You read the studies about men and women, Christian and not. It seems today that whether you're Christian or not a Christian, whether you're a male or female, somewhere between 50 and 60% of us choose to have relationships through screens ourselves in the world of pornography rather than real relationships with real people because when you read the studies, it says that people who are caught up in that say real relationships are just too much work. And what ends up happening is that we step further and further away from other people, further from spouses. And what ends up happening is that those screen pretend relationships end up leading to real divorce. People, young and old, we, we continue to interact with the impersonal world of a screen, whether it's a phone or a computer or a television, 
far more often than we interact with people. And the simple truth is, and, and this is even in the church, too many of us, if we're going to be honest, we've got a more intimate relationship with Snapchat or Facebook or pornography or alcohol or marijuana or prescription drugs or food or you name it, whatever it is that allows you to feel a little bit insulated from the world around you. We've got more intimate relationships with those things than we have with real people. And more often than not, they're far more intimate than the relationship that we have with Jesus. In all the escapes that we have created, what we've really done is we've successfully removed the human from the humanity all around us. And the truth is that we're all lonely because that world that's offered by a screen is nothing but loneliness. And that is exactly why God sent His only Son, Jesus, so that the glory of the Father could break out of heaven and come to earth to be in relationship with us. See, God already knows everything about you. We're going to look at that in a little bit. Your life, your situation, your successes, your failures. He knows your pain as well as the deepest desires of your heart. And yet what God desires is that you know Him personally. He wants you to know Him in a way that is similar to the way that He knows you so well. And so what God did is he sent His Son, Jesus. God left heaven and came to earth in the form of the baby Jesus so that we might know the person in the personal relationship that God wants to have with us. God made the move toward us in the greatest gift of love that the world has ever known. And in turn, all that He wants us to do is love Him. And that's all that God asks is our love. That... that we recognize and acknowledge Him and we return that love. Just like what you and I are looking for and so lax in our world, God wants a per personal, meaningful, real relationship with you. So we're, we're going to talk today about how it is that we can meet God, how we can meet Jesus in prayer. Because prayer is, is the foundation. It's the very simple baseline of that personal relationship with God. I was thinking about this Advent series, Meeting Jesus, and it hit me in a way that was a lot more clear than, than when I first sketched out what this series might look like. All four of the things that we're looking at, communion, baptism, prayer, and gifts, all four of those things begin with Jesus. God put them in motion in the person of Jesus. God initiated them. He didn't come up, we didn't come up with them on our own. Jesus, Jesus made the first move. And He's already there waiting for us. He's paid the price. He's made the invitation. And what He's doing now is waiting for you and I to take action. He's waiting for us to come to Him because as we will celebrate again in ten days, He came to us on earth already. And He wants us to come to Him. We don't need to create anything for these things. Jesus did that already. All He asks us to do is to take the opportunity that He presents and to do something. He's waiting for us to act in faith, whether it's to step forward for communion or step out in obedience and baptism or step out in faith of prayer or recognizing that it isn't about what we get in gifts, it's what God has given us in gifts that we can turn around and share with the world. God made the first move and He's just looking for us to step out in faith and do something. 
So today, let's jump into this wonderful world of prayer. And, and the first thing I want to make it clear about is there is no way in the world we've got time today to cover all the bases on prayer. We are barely going to scratch the surface. You are going to walk out, if you know anything at all, and say, he didn't say this and he forgot that. And I'll tell you right now, yes, I'm about to. Because there is just too much to cover in one message. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6, if you would. Going to use uh, the passages, just the verses, just before Jesus answers his disciples about how it is that they should pray and, and gives them what we've come to be known as the, the Lord's Prayer today. But we're going to start in chapter 6, verse 1. And he's going to talk about something that leads up to prayer but isn't about prayer. He says this Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Where is this passage coming from? It's all in the middle of what is probably the most comprehensive and amazing sermon that's ever been preached. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus covers so much ground. And there's so many things to learn and to understand. But He wants to make sure that we understand a couple of things first before we get into how it is that we should pray. And so He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them because you're already going to have your reward. Whatever you get in terms of of comments from them, that's as much as you're going to get. Beware, He says. Jesus isn't talking about praying yet. He's talking about trying to impress people with what good Christians we are. He's telling us to be careful because when we do that, whatever praise we get from whatever adoring fans we think we have, that's all that we're going to get. And when that praise is done, it's all over. God isn't impressed with our good deeds for the sake of trying to look good. I'm trying to think about what this might look like in our world today. And if you're on Facebook, you're going to understand this. Sometimes we get this brilliant thing and we want to throw it out there for the world or we've done something that we want people to know about. And so we write a little post on Facebook. And then what we do, and if this is you, you know what I'm telling the truth about here. You start looking for the likes, don't you? Because likes are affirmation. In our world today, we look for the likes on Facebook that somehow we interpret as meaningful truth and when we get into these world, this world of relationships where it isn't even with real people and we start living through social media and your primary relationships are with people we don't even spend time with, those likes become everything. And what Jesus would say to us today is our only reward is counting those likes and that momentary excitement that we get from it. Because when we live trying to impress people, we're not living for Jesus. And in the church, I think a lot of times we get confused about that. Verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their rewards. Hypocrites, that's not a fun word to hear. That, that's an ouch. If we're doing anything that Jesus would call hypocritical, we've got to put ourselves on alert and watch out. He's referring to the Pharisees who used to take other people's money and then they'd send trumpets out while they were all dressed up in their hats and their robes and all of their finery. And they'd go out in the streets and the trumpets would announce the coming arrival of the Pharisees and they'd hand out little bits and pieces of money to people and they'd make a really big deal about how awesome they were. It isn't charity, it's selfish arrogance. 
But you notice what Jesus says before that? He says, when you give to the needy. It doesn't say if. If the opportunity should arise, Jesus says, when you do. Because it's expected as followers of Jesus that we're going to help those who are in need. Verse 3, but when, again, you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, when, the point is that we don't do the right thing in order to gain a reward from people here on earth. We do the right thing because of Him and we do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. Humility is in such short supply in our country because we're all desperate for affirmation. We want to be recognized and acknowledged. And Jesus says, when you do something nice for somebody, don't even let the people close to you know you did it. What God's calling us to is humility and faithful service, and that's including in prayer. Too many well-intentioned Christians believe that what God really needs us to do is to fix circumstances in people when what God really wants us to do is to pray about circumstances and people and let God do the fixing. When we do something good for someone else, you know it isn't even about us. It's about Jesus in us. And so why in the world would we want any more affirmation than knowing that we've pleased our Father in Heaven? Jesus is already our Savior and we're invited to be intercessors to pray God's will for people and to be His hands and feet here on earth. Now he goes on and now he's going to start talking about prayer. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Not you should not, not you don't, but you must not. It's assumed that we're going to pray. It's assumed that we're going to be people of prayer. And we must not be like the hypocrites. Well, what are they like? Well, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. And what's the reward? That they were seen for praying. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See, Jesus talks first about the kind of prayer that the Pharisees were good at. It's show-off prayer. It's showing off how how great of a prayer you are and and how much you're convinced of it. and, And boy, you're just the best at it of anybody around. God isn't the least bit interested in that kind of prayer. Our prayer life for how we worship isn't supposed to impress anybody else. It's to connect with God and it's to glorify Him. And if what we're more concerned about is fancy words and ornate prayers, we're missing the boat completely. Go back to a a personal level here. Isn't the best time that you spend with that person or, or those very few people who absolutely know you inside out and love you anyway? Maybe you only get to do it once every couple of years. Maybe you get to do it every day. But is it really the best part of your day? The time that you get to spend in communication with that person who knows you so well that there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to drive them away. That the two of you together, catching up and sharing your lives and your stories and your hope and your dreams, that's what prayer is all about. It's about speaking and it's about listening with someone who knows you better than you know yourself. Verse 7, Jesus says, When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God doesn't want fancy words and ornate prayers. God doesn't want really carefully thought out. God wants you 
God wants your heart, your time, and your honesty. Then that last line, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Here's the deal. God already knows what's in your heart, good and bad. He just wants you to talk to Him about it. Why do we pray? Because God wants us to meet Him in prayer. Because we can. Because we get to. Because God invites us to come to Him in prayer through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It isn't because we're great people. It's because of what Jesus did for us. And when we submit our lives to Him, we're permitted direct access to the Father. A Father who already knows what we need. And so what He really wants is a personal relationship with us. And that personal relationship doesn't become you have the, because you have the right words in prayer. That personal relationship comes to us because of what Jesus did in His death and resurrection. And then what we get to do because of that is we get to go to God and grow in that relationship. But here's the thing, and I see this all the time. All too often we expect God to hear us, to be sympathetic, and to respond the way that we want Him to because we did our part and we came to Him in prayer. But what we haven't done is submitted our lives to Him. We continue to be the Lord of our lives and we expect God to be our personal genie in a bottle. A God who grants our wishes and when the verse says we can ask anything that we want, God's going to give it to us and we take it completely out of context. And we think that God's just going to do whatever we want Him to do. And so often when we pray, we pray with wrong motives. Prayers that God hears are always prayed in line with His will, not our wants. Prayer has to come from a humble heart. Prayer comes from a person who has submitted our lives to Jesus and realize it's only because of Him that we can go to God in the first place. So what does a prayer like that sound like? Let's take a look at one. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Jesus, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank You that I... This is really in the Bible if you haven't read this. God, I thank You that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The truth about the human condition is this, that too often we're more attracted to our sin than we're attracted to Jesus. We're attracted to the things that fill up our life and occupy our time and make us feel better in the moment than we are attracted to the one who gave his life for us. We protect our sinful selves more than we love Jesus and confess our sin to Him. We excuse our sin and our arrogance and we tend to put our faith in money, in our minds, in our hard work more than we put our faith in the only One who is worthy of our faith. And when we pray outside of truly believing in Jesus, those prayers are empty words because we don't even really believe that He can answer us. And I know you're just like me. You struggle with faith. So do I. There are days that are just 
difficult. And I love that verse, Lord, I believe me, help me in my unbelief. I can relate to that. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And it isn't even that I doubt God. I truly don't. I doubt my worthiness, even though I know that the only way that I'm worthy is because of Jesus and what He's done for me. Jesus is the one who is worthy. And He loves me and He loves you. And because of Jesus, we are worthy. Why wouldn't we go to God in prayer when He invites us? So what about you in your life? Where are you at with your prayer life? Are you a 911 prayer? Are you an all-day, everyday prayer? Do you go through the motions or do you really believe that God hears and has the power to act? Do you pray in faith or do you pray out of fear? Do you pray in expectation or do you pray out of desperation? See, it's interesting to me, I read studies out there, it's like 97% of America prays. But 40% of America says they believe in Jesus. Who are they praying to? I'll tell you what they're doing. They're praying out of desperation. Because we come to that point in our life where we've got nowhere else to turn and we think, well, God, I don't believe in You. I don't think You're real. But in case You are, here's what I need from You. That's not what the Bible would call the prayer of a righteous man or woman. So here's the simple truth, and this is a tough one. God is doing in your life right now exactly what you trust in Him to do in faith. God is doing in your life right now exactly what you believe that He will do in faith. You hear me? God is doing exactly what you truly believe that He will do in your life. If you only turn to God in moments of crisis with desperate 911 prayers because you've got nowhere else to turn and you've exhausted every option, you're not praying in faith. You're playing the odds and hoping for the best. And then when those faithless prayers don't get answered just the way we tell God we want them answered, we've got the arrogance to get angry with God and to question Him and tell Him He isn't real because somehow God owed us an answer. God doesn't owe us anything, and yet God has offered us everything in Jesus. And I'll be clear about this. The Bible says it over and over and over. Your prayers are answered according to your faith. Now, it isn't how, how long you believed in Jesus. It, it isn't how many good things you've done or, or how you've exhibited to the rest of the world your faith. It is strictly a matter of your faith and do you believe that God has the power or not. That is spoken over and over and over. And here's the hard thing. Your prayers are answered according to your faith. Your prayers are not answered according to the level of your desperation. Now, it isn't that God doesn't care that you're at the end of the rope and you don't feel you have anywhere to turn. But I have to wonder, if God isn't up there saying, why didn't you come to me a long time ago? We don't like the idea that God answers our prayers according to our faith. Well, if He didn't answer my prayer, I must not have enough faith. No, what it is so often is that we don't go to God until we're that desperate. Our desperation doesn't motivate God to action. Our faith does. God responds to our prayers out of His love for us and our faith in Him. Old Testament book of Daniel, in the ninth chapter, it says this, verse 18, Turn your ears our way, God, and listen. Open your eyes and take a long look at our ruined city. This city named after you, we know that we don't deserve a hearing from you. Our appeal is to your compassion. This prayer is our last and only hope. 
Here's what Daniel knew and understood, that God is always, always our one and only hope. You can try harder. You can work more. You can talk faster. But God is always our one and only hope. Everything else is like trying to build and live in a sandcastle on the beach. Eventually the waves are going to come in and knock it down and you are going to be left with nothing because it will have crumbled. See, we pray in the, in the moment that we're living in. We pray in the here and now. We, we might pray about something that's happened in the past. We might pray about a circumstance that we're facing in the moment or we might pray about something that, that we're concerned about or excited, looking forward to or, or worried about that's coming up in the future. But we pray in the moment. We live our eternal existence by experiencing these moments in time, some of which we turn over to God. But in those moments, our eternity is shaped and lived out one moment at a time. But as we pray to God... We pray to an eternal God who is completely capable and willing to act according to His will for us. And God isn't limited by time. When I say we're invited to meet Jesus in prayer, I mean exactly that. You're invited to meet Jesus in prayer. But some of us don't actually believe. We don't have a living faith in the very one we claim to pray to. Maybe you're one of those 97% of Americans who says, yeah, I pray, but who do you pray to and what do you believe that, that He can really do? I know that there's a disconnect because I hear people all the time saying they're going to ask the universe, they're going to speak their desires to the universe and putting their will out there, the universe is going to somehow miraculously respond, somehow hear, and the universe is going to give them what they want because they spoke the words. What a load of garbage. Let's talk reality for a moment. The universe doesn't have a personality. The universe doesn't think. It doesn't feel. It doesn't have an idea. And it doesn't even care that you exist. It isn't capable of it. You can speak anything you want into the universe and it's going to fall on the cold, dark air that you speak it into. You don't accomplish anything but appealing to the emptiness of creation while ignoring the power of the Creator. Speaking positive things into the universe might make you feel better, but it will accomplish nothing. Praying to the Creator of the universe and believing in Him can accomplish more than we can imagine. When our prayers go to God the Father through the power of the risen and living Son of God, Jesus Christ, and we pray in faith, the very same God who created the universe is listening to you and is fully capable of acting on your behalf. Do you realize that? I think it's interesting that people who say, speak your desire into the universe, do you know who they're trying to become, right? Is God. Because God spoke out into the emptiness before there was anything and things began to be created by God's spoken Word. And you know what? Because we speak a word out into His universe, it doesn't mean anything is going to happen. But we have the invitation to approach the Creator directly. It's God, not the cold, impersonal darkness of the universe that loves you so much that He sent His only Son to die for your sins and to be raised to new life so that we could have new life and then sends the Holy Spirit to be our advocate. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that God's Holy Spirit will intercede, will pray for us, even when we don't have the words, when we are, 
We are so broken. We're so at the end of our rope when we don't even know where to turn. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. See, the real power in the universe is God at work in prayer. Last week I got to spend a, a few days uh, sitting about 30 feet from Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church. He said something over and over and over, and it, and it was cool because I knew that this was the message of today. Here's what he said, Much prayer plus much faith equal much power. Much prayer plus much faith equal much power. Little prayer and little faith equals little prayer. Little faith. Uh, excuse me. Little prayer and little faith equals little power. No prayer and no faith equals no, no power. Where are you in those three? Are you a much prayer, much faith person? Are you a little faith, little prayer person? Or are you a, eh, no prayer, no faith person? God invites you to come to Him with absolutely everything that's on your heart. Do you believe in the power of God in prayer? Mark 10.27, Jesus said this. He looked at Him and He said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. You've really never believed in the power of God at work in your life until you've done what can only be explained by faith. If there's an explanation how someone else accomplished it or a good plan made it happen, or if you figured out how to get your way through, you know what, it wasn't faith. And it may have been God helping you, but it wasn't that you relied on God. You want to experience the power of God at life, let that verse come real. All things are possible with God. It might be impossible with you, but not with God. You know what one of the biggest ways that God trusts our faith is? God trusts our faith by entrusting us with money because He knows what really matters. God entrusts us with what the world values most. And some of us get a little money and we become a lot of greedy. While others get a lot of money and we become a whole lot of generous. But whatever you are right now isn't going to change because you have more or less money. You are who you are. You're either greedy or generous. You keep it for yourself or you're free to give it. And it is a direct statement about how much you trust God. God uses money for us to test our faith. And God desires that whether He entrusts us with a little or a lot, that we're not greedy, but that we are known and that we are shown to be generous in our faith. So here's what it really boils down to, you folks. How much do you believe God is capable of? I read all the time from people who call themselves Christians and Christian pastors that the day of the Holy Spirit and the day of miracles is over. I pray for those people because they are missing some of the very best of God. How much do you believe God is capable of? Because here's the deal. You might pray a huge prayer out of desperation. And you might see that prayer answered. But if you don't believe that God has the power to answer it, you're going to say, wow, you wouldn't believe the coincidence. I prayed about it and all these things happened. And God doesn't get the glory because you didn't really believe in Him. How much do you believe God is really capable of? Do you have a heart of faith in God's power? Or do you have a, yeah, sure, I heard that sometime, faith in God's power? Prayer is God's invitation to us as believers to access the very same power that created the universe and to do it in a personal relationship where He already knows us and we're invited to know Him. 
You want to know God better? Spend some time talking to Him and listening. Read His Word. Understand His character. Understand how God has acted among people throughout history. And a prayer isn't all kinds of fancy words, folks. A prayer is simply saying, God, it's me. Are you listening? And the answer is yes, because He always is. And you share what's on your heart, and then you know what? We just sit quietly and listen. So many people say, God never answers me. God, I pray all the time. I never hear God. You know what? Be quiet for a while. Maybe God is a gentleman and isn't going to interrupt you. We know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, never going to force us to do something we don't want. Jesus was always a gentleman. It would make sense that God the Father is a gentleman. If you want to hear Him, be quiet. You want a relationship with God? Then pursue one. Talk to Him. Hard work might change your future, but a personal relationship with God through His Son Jesus that is filled with a life of prayer will change eternity for you and for everyone you pray for. As proof of that statement, and Patrick, I'm going to ask you to come up here. As proof of that statement, there's a pretty cool thing that happened this past week. Pastor Patrick takes this stuff very seriously. Talk about a world that's uh, of young people that are, that are raised and live and, and, and they're taught to be disconnected by interacting with screens. Do we have that slide, Peggy? Here they are, praying for their own. Did you know those are the young people of your church? That's the youth ministry. When we talk about... Yeah. In a minute, with, with gifts and tithes and offerings, when we, when we receive those, I'm going to remind you that it's your generosity that changes lives. That's a picture of your generosity changing lives. When we pray, eternity is changed. You look at the adults and the young people in that picture. If that doesn't make your heart just melt in joy, if that doesn't make your eyes shake a little bit of how awesome it is, because that's not what those kids are taught in the world. That's what they're taught in your church. That's what they're taught in a place that truly believes that a personal relationship with Jesus and living it out in prayer is the single greatest thing any one of us can do. You got anything to say about that, Patrick, other than attaboy? Congratulations. Job well done. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure, and our kids absolutely love it. Um, this was uh, We have two different instances that they got to pray this week, and um, it is uh, incredible when we say, hey, let's come in and surround these people, and they're in so tight, and they just love laying hands and praying for each other. So, Are you the you. one that took the picture? Yeah, I backed off and took the picture. I'm really glad you had that moment. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. So now, we've, you can clap. Absolutely, you should clap. One of the things that I hear people say all the time is, well, either prayer works or prayer doesn't. And we base that on whether God did what we wanted God to do or not. And you've got to understand, as a Christian, you need to toss that whole thinking out. It isn't that prayer works or prayer doesn't work. Either we have faith or we don't. Because God is always at work. Amen? Oswald Chambers said this. A lot of you read his devotion. He said, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on our difficulties. So often, our belief gets stumbled up because all that we see is the problem. And really, the reason that we can do that is because we pray trusting not in who we are, but in who God is. And not what we can do, but in what God can do. Because God can do all things. <clears throat>